starting off really kind of 2014 here, we're going to be taking a journey in the book of John over this next year. We're going to, uh, and the book of John is a, a great, great book. Um, it's, it's, it's my favorite gospel. When somebody comes to Christ, it's often the place that we tell them that they should start reading is the book of John. And so we're going to be taking a journey, and we don't care how long it takes. Um, there's a lot of great things. We won't go verse by verse very often. There'll be a few probably weeks we might just take a verse or two. Often we'll maybe take a discourse, one of J- Jesus' discourses in the books. We might take a character study. And we're gonna, but this morning, we're going to really just kind of talk a little bit about an overview of what the book, the Gospel of John is. And really, uh, you know, the song, last song that Robert led for worship this morning is, is just so appropriate, Word of God Speak. And let's pray that right now. Father God, that's what we desire. We desire that your word would speak to us. God, as we're starting on this journey here in 2014 and go walking through the book of John, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, not just weekly on Sunday mornings, but God, as we find ourselves doing devotions and reading through the book on our, on our own and in our life groups, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand the richness of the word, to help us to understand who Jesus is, who John was trying to help us to know is was jesus christ who walked on this earth god i pray that this morning you just open up our ears and help us to gather anything this morning as we even just do an overview of what's coming in the book of john god and that we would be changed we don't want to just have head knowledge lord but we want to know the things that you want us to know father so we would pray don't just help us to know the logos the written word lord but speak to us let it be rhema let it come alive lord in this journey God, I pray that our foundation of our faith would grow deeper each week as we journey through this. Father, we thank you for those that will be hearing and coming each week. Lord, let us be changed. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Gospel of John, which is one of the four Gospels found, of course, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was written by the disciple John. And, of course, the disciple John later became the Apostle John. Now, um... You know, some, some things about John himself. John was the only disciple who was, was not uh, martyred for his faith. He actually died um, exiled on an island called Patmos. And that's where he wrote a lot of the letters. He wrote um, f- uh, five of the books of the, of the New Testament, we believe. There's mostly strong and corroborating uh, belief and evidence that John wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote the, the three epistles, they believe, the first, second, and third John, and the book of Revelation. And so um, Apostle John himself was, uh, was an interesting guy. Now, John, we learn a little bit about him from some of the other Gospels. Um, he was from a family that operated a fishing, boat, a fishing company. And they didn't just have, it wasn't just a family business. They actually had other people employed. So it was a decent-sized fishing company. Um, they were in, in Galilee. And... Uh, it was James and John were the sons of Zebedee, and so he grew up kind of as a fisherman. But now, those who are much smarter than I, um, as they've studied the writings of John, have noticed that he uses sentence structure. The way he puts his, his uh, uh, writing together, his thoughts and his sentence structure, that he was probably familiar with rabbinic methods of biblical interpretation. Do you like that little phrase? In other words, he was probably schooled and trained. Um, now, all, Jew, all good Jews, they were raised and they would go through and study the Torah at a young age. But though, some, of the, some of the kids would go on and do some more study after all of the, the boys would get out. 
those who had done better or the parents wanted them to, to increase would study a little bit further. And so they believed that John had some good teaching and understood um, the biblical interpretation. So he'd gone beyond just the uh, basic studies that all other Jewish guys went through at the time. Now, there's nothing that's uh, out of line with somebody who, who would be scholarly and then enter into a trade. It's not like he was a dropout or a loser and just had to do the family fishing business. So we believe he was probably educated. He was studied, but he was in the family fishing business. And so he probably wasn't ignorant from his writings. Um, he was probably decently intelligent. But it's, it's clear from reading the Gospels that John and um, Peter and James were part of the inner circle, right? You guys, we all hear the stories. You know, in fact, the old kid's song, Peter, James, and John in a fishing boat, right? Peter, James, and John were the three that were really close with Jesus. They found um, that special relationship with Jesus. Uh, they were there in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were there in Mount Transfiguration. Um, and so, so John and, and along with James and Peter were, were special Special. We also find in, in the gospel or in the Bible that Jesus was, or John was known as the beloved. John was the beloved. He had an intimate relationship with Jesus himself. In fact, we see that it was him who was leaning on Jesus' breast. And so John was very uh, intimate and familiar with Jesus. He wasn't just on the outskirts. He was inside with the three, and he was the beloved um, known as the Beloved. So he, he was there with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane in Jesus' lowest hour. So there was that special relationship. Now, not everything we know about John is, uh, is good and complimentary. Some of you guys know, uh, what, what was his nickname? He and his brother were the Sons of Thunder, right? James and John were the Sons of Thunder. And so that's, the, some scholars believe that's because they were kind of hot-headed maybe. And that they were kind of ready to go. And so, so that not, isn't necessarily a good compliment um, to John. He might have had that uh, a wicked temper like none of you in sh here, I'm sure, have ever dealt with personally. Um, in fact, you can see that, that temper and that anger um, in Luke chapter 9, if we want to go there and kind of see, get a little picture of who John is, as we, before we ever even start, we're just kind of getting to know them. John chapter 9. I'm sorry, Luke. I'm saying John so much. Luke chapter 9. You're right. Thank you for correcting me. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. It says, I was going to have Matthew read these, but now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and Joss, John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? You know, that's actually not just a peace-loving guy. There's a guy who's like, let's, let's see some action here. So you might have saw this little bit of a temper right there as he he was going hey let's let's see some action let's let's call fire down from heaven um so so that was part of john's character at least at the beginning now we we believe that john lived into the 90s uh of of ad 90 so he he became uh he lived to be quite quite an old age 
And we see at the end of his life, as he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, even in the book, in the Gospel of John, which was probably also written in, the, in like 90 AD, is, is what they believe, that he had changed his temperament. And he became, the, really did become the beloved. He became all about the love of Jesus. He began to, to know God, and so we believe his uh, character was really changed and affected because of his relationship with Jesus. Now, we also see another one in Matthew chapter uh, 20 where John and his brother were uh, a little ambitious and their mother was ambitious for them also. That's when, uh, you know, mom went to Jesus and said, hey, you know, we want have one of my kids at your left and one of my kids at your right. I mean, they were trying to get in there. They were ambitious. They weren't just meek. They were they were willing to push a little bit and they wanted to be on the inner circle. So we, we, we see John. He lived a long life. He was, had some ambition going for him. He had a wicked temper. But we see that he was open to what God wanted to do and change in his life. And he allowed God to change his heart as time went on and he became soft. He became all about the love of Jesus. And through his writings, um, he portrays the Jesus that we're going to be talking about, spending a lot of time talking about um, this year. Um, so, so that's just some, some things about John. Now, the Gospel of John was the last of the four Gospels written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called, and we know most of this, they're, they're called the Synoptic Gospels. And that, that means that there's a lot of agreement, and they really means seeing together. Synoptic means seeing together. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the stories there intertwine a lot. They, they have the same stories, and they're written from different points of view. In fact, it's kind of like um, a car accident, having four different people at the four different sides of an intersection, and they all witness a car accident. They all see the same accident, but each one sees it from a different perspective and will have different things to report about this accident because of their point of view. Now, um, Matthew was written to Jews. Matthew um, was, was a Jew, and he was, he was writing to Jews. Mark shows Christ as the servant. And so Matthew uh, writes to Jews, and he pictures Christ as the king when you read the, read the Gospel of Matthew. Mark shows Christ as the servant, and he's writing for Gentiles, per- particularly Romans, um, seeing Jesus as the, as the servant. Luke shows Christ, as you read that, as the son of man, and he's also writing to Gentiles. He's writing to Greeks. Now, and then John presents Christ... And here is the, the thing that um, John is doing is he is presenting the deity of Christ, that Christ is God, and he is writing it to the whole world. He's, he's writing for everyone in, in the Gospel of John, and that's why we often will have a new believer read the book of John because it presents Jesus so clearly as the Christ, the Son of God, God himself. And so it's so... Um, so rich. In fact, I think the book of John is the most theologically rich of the four Gospels. We get a lot of our theology and understanding of who Jesus is from this book, the book of John. All right? Kind of talking fast, but are we kind of like a little school lesson here? Are we okay? Um, and so, so again, so we had Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, and, and th- there's varying, you know, d- which one of those was written first and, and if they used some of the others. John likely was familiar with all three, but he, he didn't write until much later. But we believe it, it would be obvious that if you were impacted by Jesus, that though he didn't write the gospel until probably 90 A.D., 
that he had told the stories and told the stories and told the stories. And it wasn't like he had forgotten about him. says, oh, yeah, that Jesus guy. Maybe I should write something down. And we're concerned that the information wasn't accurate. It was accurate because he had rehearsed it and thought about it. And he had been so changed by Jesus. Now, one of the things you'll find in the book of John that's real different is Matthew, Mark, Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. You'll see um, a lot of the same stories. But John puts a little bit different. And for, for instance, the feeding of the 5,000, that's in all four Gospels. But the book of John, he goes a little bit further and doesn't just tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. He elaborates then on what Jesus talked about. And he talked about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. So he takes what, what happened as a story, as, as an incident. I don't want to use the word stories and false, but as, as an incident. And he goes along and he talks then about how Jesus connected the incident and then proclaimed himself to say, I am the bread of life. So he went deeper in theology. He went deeper into the stories revealing Christ to us. So we really want to pay special attention to the book of John and to the, some of the things that are, that are in here as we're going to slow down and, and uh, look a little bit deeper and encourage you to read the book of John a uh, number of times over and see that. Um, Jesus in the book of John. They all, as I said, all of the authors of the Gospels presented Jesus in a different way. John really wants us to get that Jesus is God. He's God. And he's presenting his deity. And it's so important for us today to understand that Jesus is God. He's not dead. He's alive and wants to be uh, incarnate even in us. He wants to live in and through us, his life. And he wants us to be changed. And so the gospel of John is really important to us as we see Christ's deity more than any other gospel being portrayed in the book of John. Now, there's a, there's, as you study them, there's some things that... Uh, that the, the scholars and those, again, who are so much smarter than I, I am, but I've enjoyed reading um, different commentaries, they sh- um, point out some of the things that we find in, in John's gospel. And out of the many miracles that Christ performed, he, he performed a lot. John selects seven, seven of his miracles to prove his deity. Seven, seven miracles. And the word signs is used a lot in the book of John because it's not just a miracle, it was a sign. It was a sign that Jesus is God. And so he picks out um, seven, and there's, there's an eighth, eighth miracle in chapter 21, but the seven miracles um, are, are a picture of salvation. They show salvation comes to the sinner, um, and they're, they're showing his deity. And I'll just talk about real quick, just going to name them. Some of you actually see making notes. This is being recorded, so you can get the, get the recording if you want to listen to it again later. But um, he turned in the very beginning, chapter 2, he turns water into wine. That's pretty cool. And um, his next one, healing the nobleman's son, chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. And we see that salvation is by faith. Um, Another of the miracles, he heals the paralytic in chapter 5. And it's salvation is by grace. Um, and we'll, we'll be as we go through the book, we'll hit all these again and go deeper into them. He also uh, there was a feeding of the five thousand in chapter six, and that um, and then he goes into that Jesus is the bread of life. There was the stilling of the storm also in chapter six a little bit later. In chapter nine, there's the healing of the blind man. 
And in chapter 11, there's the raising of Lazarus. So they, they sh- there's the seven miracles that John points out. And each of them show us that salvation is by the word. It's by faith. Um, it, it, the, the last uh, miracles they say uh, he, his salvation brings peace. When he stilled the storm, it shows us that Jesus brings peace. So, so we're lo- going to be looking for these things. We'll go into each of those as we, as we go along through the year. Um, and every miracle reveals the deity of Christ. It wasn't just doing miracles. He is God. And that is so important for us today. He is God. The, the Jesus that we come to church to hear about, that we worship, that we read the Bible about, that, that is leading our life. He is God. And so one of the things in the, in the book of John are these seven miracles. There's also the seven I am's. And I want to talk about this mostly this morning because John brings forth something in his writing that he, he heard and he recounted that Jesus throughout his ministry said the word, I am, I am, I am. And we go, well, well, what is that? Go back to with me to Exodus chapter 3. If you want, we can go ahead and turn there. But Exodus chapter 3, we have Moses meeting with God. And God is sending Moses back to Egypt to save the people and bring them into the promised land. And so Moses is talking. And, and, and of course, he goes through this course of, you know, I'm of slow tongue and all these things. Finally, Moses says, well, who do I tell them is sending me? Who is this God? Who are you, God? And that's when God says and gives us his name in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And, and God says to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And so that is the declaration of who God is. And the word that you've heard before, Yahweh, the word Yahweh is a derivative of the simple firm, the simple verb form, I am. So God's name, Yahweh, is, is a, the verb form for I am. And so Jesus, God was saying, I am. So fast forward to the time of Jesus, walking as John is telling us throughout the book of John, he makes special note of all the places that, John, that Jesus introduces himself or talks about himself as I am. And that's why the Jews wanted to kill him. Because he was saying that he was God. See, Jesus did proclaim that he was God. Some other religions try to say, you know, he never said he was. He proclaimed it very openly throughout the Gospel of John. I want to I break some of these down and I give, give a couple of the uh, I, I am statements. Let's go to John chapter 4. And again, this is just kind of an overview talking about the, some of the things in the book of John. And we'll see how, if, see how far we get if we get to start the study this morning. Knowing, knowing that John's whole goal is to present the Christ. John chapter 4 verse 26. Jesus speaking to the Samaritan at the well. And in verse 24, um, Jesus says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, 
I know that Messiah, Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am. I am he. Go over a few chapters to to chapter 8. Verse 58, Jesus here is, is talking and, and he says, you know, before Abraham was in his dialogue here, in verse, verse 55, um, actually we'll go to 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. And so they said, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. And Jesus replies, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So John is really helping us to see that Jesus was declaring the whole time, I am. I am Messiah, and I am not just Messiah. I am God. I am God. And so... So we see, see him writing to this and helping us to see he is Yahweh, he is. And so I want to give you the seven I am statements that Jesus uses about himself. The seven I am statements. In John chapter 6, Jesus, after feeding the 5,000, talks to the disciples and he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You don't need to worry about where your food is coming from. You don't need to worry about anything else. I am the bread of life. Now, we need to know today, who is Jesus to you? Is he the bread of life? He was declaring it to us through the gospel of John. I am the bread of life. He's our provision, but he's also life. He's not just going to provide sustenance for us. He's going to give us life. He is the bread of life. And we need to understand that as we're running so frantically in our lives that we need to stop and realize that Jesus is our provision. He is our life. He is the bread of life. In chapter 8 of John, you don't have to go there, but if you're taking notes, in chapter 8, Jesus introduces himself and he says, I am the light of the world. You ever feel like you don't know, you, you can't see, you're in darkness? Jesus wants to be to you the light of the world. He's the light for others to come and find salvation, and he's a light for believers to see in the darkness. He doesn't want us to walk around groping and in dark. He wants to become, for us, light. We have to rely on him. We have to allow him to live in our life to illuminate the darkness. I am the light of the world. He also introduced himself in chapter 10, uh, the next, the third I am that Jesus says, I am the door, I am the gate. He says, I am the only way to get in to the Father. I'm the only way. I'm the gate. People try to sneak in, they can't sneak in. You cannot go to heaven. You cannot go to God outside of Jesus Christ. There is only one way. And it's through Christ. It's not through Christianity. 
It's not through religion, organized religion. It's not through good works. It's through Jesus Christ who is God. And we can't, even as Christians, we have to be careful that we're not trying to work our way in or finding other ways to please Him and do just the right thing so that we get in. The only way to God is Jesus. And He wants us to have a personal relationship with Him and go in through the gate. In the same chapter, in addition to being the door, the gate for the sheep, he says that he's the good shepherd. He's the one who's going to take care of us. There's a lot of people we want to trust and we look to. Even in the past, we've looked to the government and people are still doing it. Jesus is the good shepherd. He wants to take care of us. He wants, and, and, and shepherds, they really take care of the sheep. They love them. They know them. You know, we, we know a lot about when they're talking about sheep that he, he, the sheep know his voice because they spend time with him. So Jesus is, John is helping us to see that Jesus wants to be our shepherd. He wants to lead us and guide us and care for us. In the next chapter in John chapter 11, Jesus introduces us, John introduces us to Jesus who says, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, people are afraid of death. It's unknown. Christians are afraid of death. Even with hope in Christ, I've talked to many Christians. They're just, there's something, they're afraid of death. And Jesus comes to say, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. In me, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Though you die, yet shall you live, he says. And we find that in him is truly life. As we go through the Gospel of John, as we spend time in that part portion, John chapter 11, really understanding when when Lazarus is raised, really understanding what Jesus is saying, it takes the sting out of death. We are so finite in our thinking today. We're, we really think that this life is all there is. Think about how much money we spend to stay alive. Death is nothing to be feared. Death is just a step from here into the next part of eternity where we'll be with Jesus. You know that old, old saying, you know, who wants to go to heaven? And the whole church raised their hand and the pastor pulled out a gun and says, who's first? And all the hands go down, right? You know, everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Jesus is the resurrection. In him, when we die, it's just like, and then we are. The Bible says it very clearly. To be apart from the body is to be with Christ. There is no, there is no fear of death. There is no sting in death. And Jesus wants us to know him in that. If we as Christians, as believers, can get a handle and a hold on that Jesus really is the resurrection and the life, it's going to change the way we live and the way we approach things. He introduces us in chapter 14. And this is a famous verse. We, we know some of these. We've heard most of these. But this one we definitely know. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not one of many ways. You know, this is, this is coming at us so strongly in this country today. Why can't we all just get along? Can't we coexist with each other? Jesus said, I am the way. And I can get along 
with a lot of people. I can get along with everybody. Just because they're wrong doesn't let me not get along with them. But they're wrong. Because Jesus is the way. He's the truth. And what is truth? Even one of the people talking to Jesus, what is truth? And that's a question people ask today. Well, what is truth? And the truth is so obscured. But when we are questioning what is right, what is truth, we look to Jesus. He's firm. He's the only thing in life that's really firm. He is the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. And again, He's the life. We don't have life outside of Him. We're just, and this is everyone so enamored with zombies, you know. Hey, Christians were the original zombies, you know. Right? We, were, we, were, we were walking dead people. We are dead in Christ. We're alive in Him. So this world is, is dead, but in Christ... We're alive. We're alive. There's a lot, of, a lot of dead people out there that need to know who the life is. They need to know that there's resurrection and life. That there's a good shepherd. That there's the bread of life. And, and we have that ability, responsibility, and, and glory to help others find the God who presents himself in the book of John. In the last way in in, uh, John chapter 15, and we're going to spend a great... I love this discourse in John chapter 15 when Jesus takes his disciples after after the Last Supper and before he goes into the the garden and, and before he's betrayed, he takes his disciples and he spends time with them and he goes through the discourse where he shows us the last I am. And he says, I am the true vine. Abide in me. And that's a great ending picture of all the I am's because of all of these things. He wraps it up and tells us that he is the vine, that we're branches, and our job is simply to abide. We don't struggle. We don't work. We live in Christ, who is our life, who is our shepherd, who is the gate, We live in Him and we just abide because He is the vine and we're the branches. All of our life, all of our nutrition, all of our sustenance needs to come in and through Him. Where are you getting yours? Where are you getting your life? What are you looking to to bring you hope, to bring you life, to feed you? We need to be looking to Jesus and only Him. Come to the end of ourselves and say, Lord, you are the vine. I try it on my own. I do this and I do this, but all I need to do is abide in you. Stop looking in all the places that you're looking for life and find it in him. This book of John is going to be such a great journey for us as we're finding the Jesus that we need. See, we don't just need to know about a baby who was born in a manger. And we know that that's true. These are, it's true that Jesus was really born and he walked on this earth. There is outside of the Bible, there's other writers who talk about Jesus. But we need more than a historical figure. We need God Almighty alive in our lives, part of our life every day. That's what John wants us to find.
That's what I desire us to find because as we go through and find Him and see who Jesus is and allow Him to be that in our lives, our lives will change. We'll begin to find more hope. We'll begin to find more joy. I believe that we'll begin to walk in more power because we're walking with Christ who is God. Some of the words that we find in the Gospel of John over and over again, and some of these also we'll find in the, in the epistles as you read the, the first and second and third John, talks a lot about life. Even in who he, he declared, us to, declared himself to be, he was the resurrection and life and the way, the truth, and the life. He talks about life. We have life in and through him. He uses the word believe. That we have life because we believe. Talks about the disparity and the conflict between light and darkness. And we, we're always being bombarded with the darkness. We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world and it's full of darkness. But we need to bring Jesus in who's the light of the world into every situation. So that he brings light. So we find the, the fight between light and darkness as we go through the book of John. We find out about the, being a witness. See, John, the, the uh, baptizer, you know, John, Jesus' cousin, he was a witness. He came and he bore witness that Jesus was the Christ. Throughout the book, we'll find different people who are bearing witness to who Jesus was, giving us hope and desire that we should bear witness to say that Jesus is also the Christ. He's not just your buddy. There's a thing in Christianity, especially among the younger people, who just want to make Jesus their homie, their buddy. He is so much beyond just a buddy. He is life. And we are the witness of that life, and we need to be that witness to other people. We'll read about some of the witnesses that said Jesus was the Christ. We find that this is not all there is, but there is eternal life, John 3.16. And the words everlasting and eternal are thrown out in throughout the book to show us that this gospel is not just about this world. Jesus' main focus was not to give you a better life today. That's hogwash. That is not his goal. His goal is to bring you to heaven and to spend eternity with Him. In fact, along the way, He says, You're, we're going to have trials and tribulations on this earth, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. His thing is not to give us a good life today. It's to bring salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes should not perish. This world is dying. But He came and He brought life. My desire is that as we spend time going through learning again afresh who this Jesus is, that he will become alive again in my life and in your life. You know, there's a danger that can, that can seep in if we're not careful. And I've seen it at work in some people that Christianity becomes kind of old hat 
and our relationship with Jesus gets cold and we're just going through the motions. My desire and Jesus' desire is that as we get into His Word and spend time, that He becomes alive again and we know that He truly is the Christ, that He has overcome this world and that we get to know Jesus afresh again. We all know that marriages can grow stale. Our relationship with Jesus can grow stale. I want to bring life into that because we need it, but then the world needs Jesus' life in you and in me to be real. This valley needs Jesus, and we're the witness of His life. And it's sad to say that some of our witnesses are pretty stinky. You know, some of us are out living like the world. Some, some of us have, have no joy. Why would anyone want Christ? You should have Jesus. He changed my life. <laughs> if you receive Christ, you can be just as happy as me. I mean, who wants that? But, but there's a stirring, and I believe we need to press into Him and shake off the old things and press into, into God who is Jesus, who is Christ, who is our everything. So I don't want to just take a journey and learn the, the background and the history and what the, this Greek word means and what John was trying to say. I want, an, I want us to get to know Christ afresh this year as we travel through and see the love of God displayed through Jesus as we see hope not just for this life but for future in heaven Is that a journey we can take together? Yes. It ends with a great, a great thing. See, we know, the, we know the story and we're going to end with Jesus being alive and resurrected. Going there to heaven, preparing a place for us because this world is not all there is. Thank God for that. There's something wonderful awaiting all of us. But there's things here that await us too. We can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. We need to get a hold of Christ, have him alive in our life, and we're going to see this come to, come to fruition as we study through the book of John together. Father God, we need to know you, I am. We need to know all that you want to be in our lives, God. And so this morning we would lay ourselves down and ask that you would be resurrected afresh in our life. God, that you would help us to get to know who you are. You'd help us personally and intimately to get to know you afresh. Father, some of us maybe have never known you in your fullness and in some of the ways that you're desiring even today to reveal to us. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one, including myself, to, to put the, the things that we're playing in the world down and look to you. Help us to abide in you. Help us to know you as the shepherd. Help us to come in through you and not try to get in any other way. Let us be transformed by your living inside of us. Father, we thank you for your word. And we would pray that. Word of God, speak. Speak to us each day as you reveal yourself as light, as life. We get to know who this Jesus is. Let our lives be transformed and changed. 
even as the scripture, but even by the mere reflection. God, we thank you for your love. And we just say, come, Lord Jesus. Help us to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.